0: Indeed, O Lord, you are holy. We are not worthy of you. We're not worthy of your presence. But still you call us to yourself through your Son, Christ Jesus, our Savior. And for that, we praise you, O God. We worship you. We thank you for this amazing gospel invitation that you have extended to us so that we can know you, so that we can enter into your kingdom and be called your adopted sons and daughters. What a privilege. Help us to respond rightly to this invitation. Help us now to understand your word. May it sink deeply into our minds and hearts as the spirit of God works in us May we respond to your word. May it continue to transform us more into the image of your blessed son. May you hide your servant behind your cross, Lord Jesus. May you increase and he decrease. Holy Spirit, anoint your servant to proclaim your word in the power of you alone for the glory of God and the exaltation of Christ and the edification Of his blessed church it's in Jesus's name we pray and give thanks and all God's people said amen you may be seated church good morning GICF good morning to everyone uh, here in person joining us today and everyone online that's tuning in welcome we're glad you're with us guests that might be uh, with us today we're so glad you're here albeit in person or joining us online Today, we are continuing uh, our study in the Gospel of Matthew. Our elders have led us through a, a series the past four weeks, but today we return to the Gospel of Matthew in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. And the title of our message for today is The Right Response to the Highest Invitation. The Right Response to the Highest Invitation. Friends, have you ever been invited to a party and there was a dress code for that party? Has that ever happened to you? I can recall back, uh, I used to work at a particular company and uh, every year the owner of a company would have a birthday party. It'd be a big celebration, uh, but there'd always be a dress code. And um, you know, if we would have shown up to the party um, wearing something different than the dress code that had been assigned, it would have been a bit awkward right it would have been a bit awkward i don't think we would have been kicked out but yeah uh, needless to say it would have uh, it would have been a bit weird a bit, a bit awkward and today our text is uh, jesus is giving a parable it's the parable of the wedding feast and what jesus is going to be talking about is that our god has extended to us the highest of all invitations to come into quote unquote the greatest party to be a part of the greatest group that we could ever imagine and dream of. And that's to be members of God's kingdom. But beloved, it, it requires a right response from us to this highest invitation. And my prayer is that all of us have responded rightly to this highest call, this highest invitation. And if we haven't, today we would do so today we would do so. Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14, I'm reading from the English Standard Version of God's Word. In verse 1, the Bible says, and again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to, his, to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. This last verse here in our text for today in this parable in verse 14 kind of sums up what Jesus is teaching us through this parable. It says, many are called, but few are chosen. Friends, the the truth is many people have heard. Many people are hearing and will hear the gospel, but a much lesser number respond properly to the gospel. Here in this text, I want to break it down for us and draw from it four truths that I pray that we will glean from, that we will take to heart, that it will change us. And the first truth that I want us to see from our text for today is that entrance into God's kingdom has been prepared. Amen? Entrance into God's kingdom has been prepared. Everything is ready to be enjoyed, and the gospel invitation to enter in has been sent out to many. we look at our text in verse 4, the Bible says, and again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. You see, the king in the parable represents God. And most likely, his son, his son represents King Jesus. And the wedding feast in the Bible represents the celebration between our king, our bridegroom, the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, and us, his bride. The ones whom he bled and died for on the cross to redeem us from our sin and to make us his own. And here in this text, the king had prepared everything for this blessed feast. He had prepared the choicest of meats for his guests to come and enjoy, to come and celebrate this blessed occasion Everything was prepared. Everything was prepared. Oh, dear friends, God has prepared everything for us to be able to enter His kingdom through His blessed Son. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14, the Bible says, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he, that's Jesus, entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing and eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Amen? Praise be to God. He's prepared the way through his son Jesus so that we can enter into his kingdom. You see, the writer of Hebrews here is talking about Jesus. Jesus, the great high priest. He's referring to the Old Testament under the old covenant where once a year on the day of atonement, the great high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies there in the tabernacle, there ultimately in the temple. And he would take the, the blood of goats, the blood, of, the blood of, a go- of a young calf, and he would sprinkle it on the Ark of the covenant to atone for the sins of Israel, for ceremonial cleansing. A red heifer would be burned, and the ashes of a red heifer would be mixed with water. And And the priest would sprinkle the people of Israel with the mixture of the ashes of the red heifer and the water for outside ceremonial cleaning so that so that they had been in touch with those who had died they would be ceremonially outwardly clean to enter into worship unto Yahweh oh dear friends the great high priest Jesus Christ has done so much more amen you see when Jesus Christ died on that rugged cross he shed his perfect innocent blood for the remission of our sins, and to reconcile us to God. And Jesus Christ, he did not go year after year into the holy of holies before holy God to offer his blood. He went once and for all, once and for all, into the heavenly of heavenlies, the holy of holies, the throne room of God, with his own blood to make atonement for you and me. Praise be to God. And because of what our blessed Savior has done for us, church, we now have entrance into the kingdom. We can be called sons and daughters of God. Not because what we have done, but because of what our blessed Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, has done. Amen? God has prepared the way. And God has prepared the way through his Son so that we can enjoy the greatest blessing known to humans, and that is fellowship with the triune God. Fellowship with the triune God. What would have been the pinnacle of the wedding feast here in our text? It would have been that the guest would be in the presence of the king and his son. And, oh, dear friends, because of what Jesus has done, We can have fellowship with God and his son. John 17 in verse 3, Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Because of what Jesus has done and the gift of faith that he gives us. Oh dear friends, we can have eternal fellowship with holy God. This is the greatest blessing known to us. Hebrews 4.16. The writer of Hebrews says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We sinners can approach holy God. What grace. What a privilege. We're not worthy. But the blood of Jesus alone, by faith in him and his finished work on the cross, makes us worthy. And we get to enter in. And we get to enjoy the highest privilege, and that is the presence of God. The presence of God the Father, the presence of God the Son, Jesus Christ, and also the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, I shared this the last time I preached here at JICF about the wondrous presence of the parakletos, the Holy Spirit that lives in all who have put their faith in Jesus. Jesus in John 14, 16 to 17 says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Oh dear friends, not only do we have the joy of the presence of the Father. We can enjoy the joy of the presence of the Son, but we enjoy the presence of the living Holy Spirit in us, amen, to help us, to help us live a life that pleases our Lord. And He's dwelling in us. He's with us. We are not alone. There is nothing sweeter there's nothing more valuable than to live and be in the presence of God. David wrote in Psalm 16:11, it's one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. He says, "You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore." I want you to stop and think about that for a moment, beloved. In God's presence that He has allowed us access into through His blessed Son, we can enjoy joy unspeakable in Him. That the world can't give us the things of the world cannot give us. And we have hope, beloved. Jesus said in John 14. Verses two through three. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. Praise God for the hope of the gospel. This life is fleeting. We're here for a moment and gone tomorrow. But that's not the end of the story. Humans will spend eternity in one of two places. In heaven or in hell. But for all who are in Christ Jesus, by the grace of our wonderful God, we know Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And that gives us hope. You might be walking through a difficult time right now, beloved. There is hope in Jesus. Hold on, persevere, be faithful. He's prepared a place for you. And this gospel has gone out to many. This invitation that the king had sent out had gone out to many, the first group of invitees. Well, who was the first group of invitees? It was it was the Jews, it's symbolic of the Jews. To the Jew first and also the Greek, Paul said in Romans 1:16 about the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to all who believe to the Jew first and also to the Greek and then to the Greek. So rightfully so in this parable, the first group of invitees to this wedding feast were the Jews for whom the gospel came first. But as we continue to travel through this text, Sadly, we're going to see their wrong response. And then the invitation to this blessed feast goes out to a second group of invitees, representative of the Gentiles, that is all non-Jewish people. And this gospel has gone out. It knows no boundaries. And this gospel, especially now in the age of internet and technology, it is spreading like wildfire. And more and more people are hearing this gospel. And if you're listening today, like it or not, you and I, all of us are sinners. We have failed God. We're deserving of punishment and condemnation. But because of the grace of God, he sent his son Jesus to this earth. Jesus lived a perfect life. And ultimately, he gave himself in obedience to his Father and for his love for us to die on a cross, shed his perfect, innocent blood, to cleanse us, not just from the outside, but most importantly, from the inside, our hearts and our conscience, so that we can please God. And he died and he was buried. But praise be to God on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave proving that he is the blessed son of God. He's the one and only savior. He's the Messiah. He's king. And there's salvation in no one else except in Jesus. And if you'd repent of your sins and turn from them and put your trust in Jesus and his finished work on the cross as the only means by which your sins can be forgiven and you can be made right with God, he will save you. And you commit your life to following him. And it will be the best decision you've ever made. And he has a place for you. And you will enjoy God's presence forever. So if you're listening today, here in person, or online, that is the gospel. And it's going out. And it is glorious. Respond rightly to it. Respond rightly to it. Don't be, second major truth that I want to draw from this text, don't be like the many that reject it. Don't be like the many that reject it. Because many reject this gospel invitation. Verse 3 of our text, the king sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. sub-point. There are many who reject this gospel invitation simply out of apathy. They just don't care. They're just not interested, just not concerned. And why is that so? It says in verse 5, But they paid no attention after this invitation to the wedding feast had gone out. And they went off, one to his farm, another to his business. Many are disconcerned with God and the gospel. Because work and career and money is first place. We see in this text. One had went off. One to his farm. To do what? To work. Another to his business. To do what? To work. In order to do what? Make money. The Bible is clear. Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. You have to choose which one you're going to serve. God or mammon or Money and so sad that so many people have heard this gospel and they keep hearing this gospel but their god is money not Jesus have to choose whom will you and I serve And there's a whole lot of other reasons why people are apathetic to this gospel. Just want to live for pleasure. Just want to be happy. And fallen human beings try to create their own way to be happy. True happiness is in Christ. I've been on the other side. There's no happiness there. There's no joy. There's pain. There's sorrow. There's guilt. If there's anything in your life competing with the throne of your life and whom only Jesus is worthy to sit on, I would say as the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 3.15, remember what he says. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Oh dear friend, Oh, beloved brother and sister, if anything is competing with the throne of your life, take it off that throne and give Jesus his rightful place right now. Don't harden your hearts like Israel did in the desert at Meribah. Don't harden your hearts. Listen to his voice. The voice of the gentle shepherd who makes us lay down in green pastures, who leads us beside still waters. Oh, the rest we have in the Savior, not in this world. There are many who reject the gospel invitation not only out of apathy, but out of hostility toward Jesus in the gospel. We see this in verse 6. There were others of the first group of invitees. They weren't just apathetic. They just didn't go off to their businesses and to to tend their farms. Verse 6, Jesus says, while the rest seized his his servants, as the king's servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. representative of the Pharisees who hated Jesus, who hated the gospel. And there are many since then, sadly, that hate the gospel and hate Jesus and who martyr Jesus' witnesses. Those who faithfully give their lives to make Jesus and his blessed gospel known. We need to know that the Bible says God will avenge the deaths of those who are martyred for the sake of the gospel. God will avenge the deaths of those who are martyred for the sake of the gospel. In verse 7 of our text, the king Representative of Almighty God, the righteous judge, says the king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. God avenges the blood of the martyrs. In Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, 15 through 17, the Bible says when he opened the fifth seal, Who were to be killed as they themselves had been, had been. They're calling out to God to avenge their death for the sake of the Word of God, for the sake of the gospel. And God says, Wait. God comforts them, he comes to them, gives them a white robe and tells them to rest a little longer. Until all of those who would be martyred for the sake of Jesus and the gospel is done. And then what happens? Verse 15. The text goes on to say Then the kings of the earth, and the great ones, and the generals, and the rich, and the powerful, and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. Calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. That's the wrath of Jesus. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Who are all of these kings of the earth and great ones and generals and rich and powerful and everyone slave and free? Who are those? Those are all the people that martyr Jesus' witness that kill them because they are hostile toward Jesus and his gospel. But the Bible is very clear. God will avenge the death of the martyrs. For one day, those who shed the blood of Jesus' beloved, the wrath of the almighty God will fall on them. And they will wish the rocks from the mountains would tumble upon them before that happens. This is God's work. We ought to have compassion for them. We ought to pray for them. We ought to share Jesus with them in love, calling them to come to him and to be delivered from their hatred and their anger. God is love, and he loves them. And while they're still alive, there's still an opportunity to repent and be saved. It's our responsibility to pray and to share with them the grace of God, the blessed gospel. Third point I want us to see from this text. Others seek to enter God's kingdom without following God's protocol. Others seek to enter God's kingdom without following God's. Word. If we, if we've heard the word protocol, we've heard it for sure the last two years, right? There's a protocol because of the pandemic, and it's good, and I believe we've all been following it. We go into a public place. The protocol is we wear a mask. We even have a app that we have to use to scan in, to go into a public place like a mall. And we do that. We follow the protocol or we don't get in. There's a protocol to enter God's kingdom. There was a protocol to enter this wedding feast. Verse 11, I'll pick up. It says, when the king came in to look at the guests, after he had gone out and invited the second group of invitees, The good and the bad, the Bible says. This would be representative of the non-Jews, the Gentiles. It says, when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness in that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. One thing we need to understand, at this point in antiquity, a king who would be hosting such a party, not only would he prepare a beautiful banquet room, a lovely setting with the choicest meats and wonderful food to enjoy, but often the king would also provide the wedding garments. The wedding garments that those who he had invited, the guests, were to wear but strangely enough this one gentleman here in our parable he came to the party not wearing the wedding clothes that the king had graciously provided him He tried to come into the party his own way. And a lot of people try to come to God their own way. There's only one way. Amen. Jesus said in John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way that we as sinful human beings... Can come into the presence of Holy God. Save be it, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. And if a person denies that, denies Jesus and his finished work on the cross, they're denying God. First John chapter two, verse 23. The apostle wrote, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Jesus is so much more than a good teacher. He's so much more than a prophet. He is God incarnate. Jesus Christ 100% God, 100% man. And through him alone, faith in him alone is the only way we can come to God. And if anyone denies Jesus as a son of God, as a savior of the world, then they're denying his father. You see, in the pride of Humans, so often we try to make our own way. So often we've even tried to use religion as a means to approach God. But what we need to understand is God is the creator, we're his creation. He is most high, He is sovereign Lord. We are but dust, He rules. He reigns. He knows best. He's all good. And his perfect way for us sinful, polluted humans to be able, oh, what a privilege, thank you, Lord, to come into his presence. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for God made Christ. That doesn't mean God created Jesus. Jesus is eternal God. He's always existed. But what it does mean is it was God's way. God-ordained, the way to Him, the way for our sins to be covered up, the way for us to be reconciled to God is through the greatest offering, the offering of His own Son. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Jesus. That's God's way. That's the best way. Stop fighting with God. Stop using religion. Your good works. They're filthy rags before God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And that's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. The gift of God. The gift of God, not of works so that no one would boast. Coming to church on a Sunday morning, such a privilege, amen? To celebrate our God, gathering with believers, being able in our weakness, but in the power of God to serve Him, to serve His church, to be a witness of of the gospel, to be a Christian businessman and business owner, to be a teacher that lives out Jesus before the students who shares Jesus with students, to be a faithful mom who takes care of the kids and the husband and the home and does show Jesus every day like my wife does. What a privilege. But coming to church, teaching Sunday school, being a Christian teacher, being a house mom, praying, reading your Bible, giving your tithe and offering, that won't save us, friends. That won't save us it's only the grace of God it's only by what God's done through his son and then when he gives us that gift of faith when his spirit comes and touches our spirit and makes us realize I've sinned against holy God and we fall We fall, maybe don't fall on our knees, but our hearts fall and bow down to Jesus and say, I'm tired of running, you did it, I can't do it. I give you my life. Do you remember when you did that, church? Is that passion still alive in you? That fire. Every day, every day, we ought to realize, by the grace of God go I. By the grace of God go I, not me. Friends, when we do that, when we humble ourselves, And we don't kind of come to the wedding party wearing our own garments, but we repent of our sins. We place our faith in Jesus Christ and His blood clothes us. So when Holy God looks at us now because we're covered in the blood of Jesus, what He sees is not a sinner anymore, but He sees a saint. He sees His child. He sees one who's been forgiven. And we come in to His kingdom. And when we respond, last point and I'll be done, when we respond correctly to God's gospel invitation, we get to join together, church, in the joyous celebration of God for all eternity. Amen? When we come to God through His Son, we come to God God's way, we get to enter into His kingdom and we get to celebrate Him for all eternity. In verse 10, I imagine, you know, these people who would come to the party, the second group of invitees, you know, it says the both bad and good in verse 10. And they were in that wedding hall, that that banquet hall. It says the wedding hall was filled with guests. And man, what joy I just imagine they must have felt. Because a lot of these people, they would have never thought they would have been in the presence of the king and his son. And I can tell you that for sure. 20-something years ago, I would have never thought that I would be able to be in the presence of the king and his son. Saved be the grace of God. And I imagine the joy these wedding guests must have had. And friends, we ought to be a people. We ought to be a church that can say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? Just like in Nehemiah 9. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And as we as individuals, individual Christians, had the joy of the Lord, we get to celebrate God every day. Guess what? When we come together to do it, it's powerful. Amen? I love this. Isaiah 61, verses 10 through 11. The prophet says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. Amen. Who had clothed Isaiah with the garments of salvation? Who? God had. God had covered the prophet with the robe of righteousness. Who covers us? Who makes us righteous? Who imputes to us his own righteousness? Not us. Not our good works. Isaiah 64, 4 says, our good works are filthy rags before, before God. But it's God. God clothes us with his own righteousness. He makes us right with him. And as we are a people, a church, that are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, we're decked out in the best wedding garments there could ever be because we're decked out in in the clothes of salvation from Almighty God through faith in His Son. Guess what? We ought to be a people, the people of God that do what? That through God's Spirit In God's Word, we cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. Just as we sung earlier about God's holiness and the Scriptures that Chandra read to us from 1 Peter, we are a people who have been made right and holy by God. We've been set apart as holy. We are to live holy. We're to pursue righteousness. Righteousness individuals but as a church as a body so that when we, when we go out people see us living for God they see something different we're people of integrity, we're people of character our yes is yes, our no is no we don't cheat, we don't steal we don't lie so that God's righteousness would fill the earth and We're to be a people of praise. We're to celebrate the goodness of God, not just in church on Sunday morning. We're to celebrate the goodness of God Monday through Sunday. Amen? We're to be people who have shouts of praise, testimonies of God's goodness Monday through Sunday that we share with our spouses, with our kids, with our friends, with our neighbors. And once again, we got social media platform to do that now. There's no excuse. This is what we're called to do as the body of Christ. And when we do it, it brings celebration to our King. And we're filled with joy. Because we're doing what we've been called collectively to do. Because we're going to praise God forever. Amen? Let me end with a picture of heaven. Revelation 5, 11 through 12 It's what John wrote. He said, Then I looked and heard around the throne, And the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Amen. We're going to celebrate the Lamb of God, Jesus. We're going to celebrate God for all eternity. Let's make sure we're doing that now, church. Because we got one life to be a witness. You realize that? Got one life, one life to be a witness, right now, today. Ten minutes from now is not a promise. Tomorrow is not a promise. We've got today. Would every one? who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus is your King. Would you commit afresh and anew today? I'm going to be a witness for Jesus. In word and in action and in thought. And would you commit today, wherever you are, you be on mission with Jesus? Because I guarantee you, listen, If you do it today, most likely, guess what? You'll be on mission tomorrow. Amen? If you don't do it today, you probably won't do it tomorrow. But if you do it today, most likely you do it tomorrow. You do it tomorrow, you'll do it it on Tuesday. You do it on Tuesday, you do it on Wednesday. Amen? Do we want to be a church on mission with Jesus? I believe so. And I know that's the heart cry of our elders. Thank you, brothers, for leading by example. Praise God. And for anyone else who's here today, you're not with Jesus yet. You haven't accepted this highest invitation. You accept it today. You turn from your sins. You ask God to forgive you and you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and you commit to following him. And you contact us here at this church and we'll do whatever we can to help you. Let's pray. Glory be to you our great God for inviting us into your kingdom to be with you, to be with Jesus, to have your spirit indwell us. What a privilege. What an honor. And Lord, we just say thank you right now. May we not take for granted this highest invitation that through your Son you have extended to us. May we honor this invitation by responding to it rightly. And may we live our lives as your people citizens of your kingdom here on this earth to cause your righteousness and to cause your praise to sprout up more and more and more here in our city, throughout Indonesia, Indonesia, and throughout the nations for your glory, God, and your glory alone. Bless your church here at JSCF. Fill us all with Your Spirit. Give us a hunger for Your Word. And give us a commitment to Jesus and to make His glorious gospel known. And we ask it in Jesus' holy and blessed name. Amen.